take our Bibles, let's take the, your copy of God's Word, and we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter number 6 today. Ephesians 6, we're moving right ahead, and we were in Ephesians six seventeen last Sunday, we're going to finish that verse today, and if we could, let's start reading in verse number 11. Let's stand and read verse 11. We've started in verse 10 before, but we'll just start in verse 11 and read down through verse 17. Today, I think we understand the passage a little better every time, I hope. Uh, verse 11, Ephesians six 11. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. And uh, if we can do this together, let's do it together. So we'll read all the verses out loud, starting in verse 11. Ephesians six eleven. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Father, I pray that you bless the reading of your word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the word. I thank you that it is true. I thank you that it endures uh, to all generations. Lord, we thank you that the truth is there. Uh, as First Peter tells us, thy word endureth forever. And uh, God, so many have sought to destroy it. They have sought to uh, remove it from the schools, remove it from government, remove it from society. But God, your word will not be destroyed. And we thank you for not only the fact that it endures, but it is our, uh, it is our book. You wrote it to, to give us your thought, your mind, your heart. We thank you that uh, it's your word, but it's also a word for us. And I do pray that you'd help us to realize we need to be a doer. We need to apply what it's saying here. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Would you please be seated this morning. The belt of truth, God's word. The Bible's timeless, indestructible, is settled in heaven. Uh, the breastplate of righteousness. This is Jesus' righteousness. The righteousness of Christ. That we need to have in our life. Religion is self-righteousness. Religion is all about self. See, religion says do, 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 do. The Bible says done. Jesus paid it all. Amen? Amen. Amen. I've heard that. Uh, I've seen, let's say, I've seen the T-shirt, probably the bumper sticker too, but, you know, three nails, one cross equals four given. Amen? Three nails, one Savior. Uh, Jesus died. Jesus paid it all. And it's through the shedding of blood that our sins are washed away. His precious blood, uh, the, um, the blood of the bulls and the goats was not enough. That was a beautiful picture. The, the sheep that was slaughtered, the lamb that was slain, was not enough. Until there was the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. He was slain. 
He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And uh, it, was all, uh, it was all put on him. Our sins, if you come to Jesus today, your sin is put on him. And he took your place. I'm so thankful for the, the righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus' righteousness. Don't walk out of here today self-righteous, please. Come to Jesus Christ and be saved, forgiven forever. The good news we heard about with the feet shod, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The good news shoes. Uh, We need to have the peace of God in our life, and then we need to share the peace of God with others. Amen? And don't just keep it to yourself. And, uh, you know, the great crime of the desert is to know where the water is and not tell anyone. Amen? And so it's bad for us. It's wrong for us. It's actually a sin for us to disobey. It's, It's a disobedience to God. To not follow what he says in the scriptures. To go and preach the gospel to every creature in the book of Mark. And to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And teach, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We're to baptize uh, in the name of Jesus Christ and the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But to re- have people receive the truth. To be, uh, to be baptized and added to the church, but to grow uh, spiritually, we're to disciple. And so that's upon us to take the good news. Then we saw the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Now, it's good to have faith. It's good to have faith. But what are we putting our faith in? We need to put it in God, right? Our faith is in God, not in, not in ourselves, we're trusting ourselves too much. We need to put our faith in God. And uh, we need to hold on to that shield of faith. Amen? And with God as our shield of, of faith, we can withstand the fiery blows from the enemy. Faith in ourselves, we will be knocked down every time. But uh, put your faith, hold on to God. And then we saw the helmet of salvation. We need to be secured in our salvation. And when we have Jesus as our Savior, we know that we, are, we have eternal life. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not everlasting life. Amen? And then we see the last weapon here, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, this is the only offensive weapon that we have been given in our spiritual war. Uh, only one thing can uh, truly puncture. Only one thing can handle dealing that fatal blow to the enemy. And that is the Word of God. And it is a continual war. Thank God that there's going to be a day where He will be uh, thrown into the lake of fire. Amen? But He is our adversary. Our adversary is Satan. As the Bible says in First Peter, He walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom He may devour. He wants to consume and destroy. And that is His goal, is to destroy your life. To destroy your walk with God. Now, thank God if you're saved, nothing can separate you from God's love. You are secured in Christ. But the devil wants to ruin your relationship with God as far as your fellowship, okay? He can't take you out of the family, but he can hinder, if you allow him, he can hinder your fellowship with the Father. And so we need to take this sword of the Spirit and uh, let's look at it in the hands of Jesus Christ. If you can put a marker in Ephesians 6, we want to go back to the book of Matthew, chapter number 4. 
Matthew chapter number 4. I like to see things uh, as someone else do something. It helps me to uh, understand how it works in my own life. If I can observe it in somebody else's, see how they do something, it helps me to know how to do it on my own. And so we're going to look at what Jesus did with the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, that is the Word of God. We hold in our hands this blessed book. We have the Word. Amen? And uh, we see here that uh, in Matthew 4, Jesus came to the wilderness and he faced the devil. Verse 1, then when Jesus, I'm sorry, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. God doesn't tempt us, but we do face the devil. And even God allows us to be tempted. He allows us to face the devil. The devil is alive and well, and he is, just as Jesus was tempted, he will come and tempt us. The world's system, the devil's world, his kingdom, I guess, if you would, the world, it is all set up. It is set up to be a continual temptation. We are constantly bombarded in this world with temptation that comes from hell. And the devil faced, uh, or see, Jesus faced the devil. The devil came to Jesus. He was there in the wilderness. And the Bible says, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And I used to think that's impossible to fast 40 days and 40 nights. But people actually have fasted longer than 40 days and 40 nights in our, in our country. I've, I've read stories. I've seen documentaries. People that fasted 50 plus days. And, but our Savior Jesus uh, understood how, how food even uh, and fellowship can, uh, you know, uh, going without those things can cause us to be tempted. Amen. How many of you enjoy a good meal? You don't even need to raise your hand. I already know. I already know what your answer would be. Amen? You enjoy a good meal. Yesterday we went, uh, uh, we were on our camping trip Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We, we didn't get to go to Bay Beach, the amusement park up in Green Bay. And I knew because of the rain, you know, these kids, these teenagers... I, if I was a teenager, I would have looked forward to that part of the trip, even though the camping part was so much fun. But, you, you know, if you know you're going to do something, then you can't, you know, the wind is knocked out of your sails. As an adult, you know, well, there's always another day we could do that. But for the kids, school's starting for some this week, and we might not get to do something like that again. And Man, what a letdown. So I said, well, we're going to have a, we're going to do something else. And I didn't even tell them what we we're going to do. We had a destination as I called it, destination unknown. And I let Brother Larry know, but I don't think we let anyone else know. We're on the bus, and I'm driving up through Door County. We're coming down through Green Bay. And I know that there's a, from what I found on the Internet, there is a really, really nice Chinese buffet. Sometimes pictures can fool you. But this actually was a nice Chinese buffet. And we pulled up. At 1 o'clock or so, I think it was around 1, I think, yesterday, and I said, who's hungry? First, we pull into this parking lot, and there's a strip mall and several different things there. 
and say, we're not, are we going here? No, we're not going there. Are we going there? No, we're not going. Oh, there's a Chinese buffet. And I said, who's hungry? And some, some of the kids are like, eh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was really surprised. I thought they would all say, we are starving. You know, but the bagels and all the things that we had on the bus, I guess that had sufficed them. At that point, they were pretty full. But I think some of these kids have hollow legs because there was five or six plates, I think, that were consumed by certain people. And the funny thing was to me was that after we got on the bus, we were heading home. We spent a, an hour, at least two hours or whatever at the buffet. We're on our way home now. And we stopped near, which I think was Kohler or somewhere. I had to use the restroom. I'm the driver, so I'm the one that pulls the bus over. If it was somebody else, I'd say, you got to hold it, okay? But I, I pulled the bus over, and we pulled into the only place that I could find that I knew had a good bathroom, and it was McDonald's. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's been an hour since we've been at the buffet. Surely these kids are not going to get out and order food. I should have remembered what it was like being a youth pastor. Kids can always eat. They enjoy eating. Like all of us adults enjoy eating. Amen? But we get out, and I use the restroom. I come back to the bus, and as I come back to the bus, I see two of our kids in line ordering food. One of them got a whole meal we had just been to the buffet. They had had three, four, five plates of food. But it's funny, right? We joke about that. And pa- uh, Brother Larry said, Pastor, you need to preach on gluttony tomorrow, which I'm not doing. But we enjoy food. And, you know, honestly, why, why does God tell us to fast? Because we need to be willing to give up those things that we think we can't live out and that we are consumed with. Uh, most of us, you've heard, uh, you shouldn't live to eat. You should eat to live, right? And if we would follow that, it would help us, right? Um, but if we would just realize that we don't have to have certain things. We can pull these things out of our life. Now, you can't live without water. You need to consume water. It doesn't say they went without water. He went without food. But we can pull some of these things out of our life for a time. Set them aside. And for most of us, food would be one of those things. But entertainment. Some of us get on our phones. We could put that media aside for a time to get along with the Lord, to give it up for God and just say, God, help me to get clarity in my life. Help me to think clearer. Help me to have, have more uh, understanding of your word, better understanding of your word. Because so many of the things that we think that we have to have and we really don't, so many of those things get in the way of us having fellowship with the Lord and having true communion with God because we're so distracted. Because in our society, we have to get on to the next big thing, right? Every day of our life is one event stacked on the next. And we don't spend the time with the Lord that we ought to. And I think that Jesus is giving us that example. He's saying to get away from it all. And to go into the wilderness, just like others did, Jesus came apart from the disciples. Although his life was invested in people, he needed time with his Father. And we see that the devil here takes full advantage of this, though. Because don't think that spending time with the Lord, when you do spend time in prayer, that the devil's not going to be there. He will be there to distract us. To get us thinking about the things that we have to get done. 
And so much of it could be done, uh, we could do without, right? So much of this life is not necessary. We are so distracted. But we see there in Matthew chapter 4 that uh, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. We see that in this passage, this 40 days and 40 nights is a time of testing. Uh, It's a time just like when the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for how many years? How many years? 40. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. And this is a picture of that wilderness wandering. During the fast, the devil came to Jesus three times, and he presented him with three different temptations. In verse number three, we see how this symbolizes the children of Israel when they were complaining over food. And I tell you what, I don't envy Moses. I really don't. Can you imagine? They say there could have been two million, two million of these uh, people that were following Moses. And they didn't have all the modern conveniences that we have today. They didn't have a way to text all of them. You know, information. They didn't have a way to uh, convey things up on a video screen. They didn't have telephones. They didn't have uh, public address systems. And he's trying to keep them all together, going in the same direction. And all of us are prone to complain, aren't we? We're prone to, to not be thankful and to worry. And that caused them to complain about food. And Jesus here uh, symbolizes Israel's complaining over their lack of food. Verse 3, And when the tempter came to him and he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Uh, Verse number 6 symbolizes Israel's testing of God at Massah, or Massah. Verse 6, And he saith unto unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge of thee concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thou at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And um, we see that temptation there. And I'll give you the answers in a second here. But when the Israelites came out of Egypt... Moses had led them out, out of Egypt, and out of bondage, out of slavery. And Israel had rejected the promised land. God had prepared a place for them. He had given them the promised land. And because they lacked faith in God, because they didn't go forward, as God had told them to. They didn't go and possess the land that God had promised them and truly had given to them if they would just take it. Because of that, they had to wander through the wilderness for 40 years, wandering from place to place. Eventually, they stopped at a place where there was no water for them to drink. 
And they started arguing with Moses and complaining against God, telling him to give them water. And Moses responded to them by saying, why, why are you putting the Lord to the test? Why are you testing God? And that word masa or masa means testing. And while God was testing the Israelites to see whether they would follow his ways or not while they were wandering in the wilderness, and God, by the way, was providing for them. They needed food, he provided food. They needed water, he provided water. But they came to a place where they didn't have water, and rather than obeying God and turning to him for help, God, uh, God was testing them by allowing them to be without. But instead of turning to God, they turned and they said, God, why are you doing this? And they turned and they challenged him and they tested him. And as a result of this, Moses gave the name of this place Massa, which means testing, and Meribah, which means quarreling, because Israel tested God. And they argued with God by saying, is the Lord among us or not? Is he here or is he not here with us? So many times we get to a place where God is allowing us to be tested. And when God was, uh, was providing and everything was going great, we were praising the Lord, we were singing his praises. And then when times got tough and God allows that to happen, it doesn't mean that he's not with us, but it means that he's allowing us to be tested. And many times we turn and say, is God among us? Is God really here? Does God care? Does God care about me? And going back to the temptation, Satan was asking Jesus to prove that God was with him. Is God really with you? And the Israelites tested God by making him prove his faithfulness over and over and over again. Yet later in uh, Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, he recalls the event that happened at Massa. And Moses says to Israel in Deuteronomy 6.16, Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massa. Matthew 4, verse 9, symbolizes Israel's temptation to worship false idols. Look at verse 9. And he saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt. What does Satan say to Jesus? He says, If thou wilt, what? Verse 9, Fall down and, what? Worship me. Do you see? This is a picture of the Israelites, where they failed for 40 years. They failed and failed. Though God was faithful to them, they failed Here, Jesus, the perfect one, the perfect lamb, he passes the test. He passes the test. And there's nothing wrong with wanting food or desiring divine protection. But the significance points us to notice how Jesus answers the temptations. It's not wrong for him to be hungry. It's not wrong uh, to, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to fail God and to test God. We need to just trust him and hold to God's unchanging hand. He will never leave us nor forsake us, but so many times we fail him and we forsake him. Verse number 4, he says there, After he was tempted, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made of bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, 
It is written, this is our sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. He takes the Word where the devil twists the Word and he tries to pervert God's Word. Satan is put back on his heels when God, uh, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, he rightly divides the Word. He uses it in a correct way. He utilizes and he appropriates God's grace here. And he takes the Word and he says, it is written... It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil takes him up to a holy city, saith him in the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge of thee concerning thee. Is God really with you? Does God really care? Is God really going to help you? Is God really going to send his aid through his angels in their hands? They shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And here he says, Jesus saith unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Don't come to God and say, are you really there, God? Are you really there? No, just say, God, I believe in you. I trust in you. I believe in you. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. We looked at that this morning. Verse 8. Again, the devil taketh him up into an high, uh, exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt not, or thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and in him only shalt thou serve. You know, these young, uh, young people... 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, all the way up. Uh, There's so much temptation out there. There's so much the devil says, this is what will make you happy. This is what you need for your life. This is the goal. This is what is, uh, what is what people want to do in this world. This is what makes them happy. This is what is going to make you a success. You'll be popular. People will love you. People will accept you into their social circles if you were just a little bit more like this or a little bit more like that, or if you took this job or you did that. There are so many temptations for us to bow down, even as, even as older adults, to bow down and kiss Satan's big toe. But we are not here to serve this world. We're not here to serve ourselves. We need to crucify the old flesh. We need to, uh, we need to uh, hold up that shield of faith against Satan and, and fight him with the word of God. And say, Satan, you do not have any jurisdiction over God's property. I belong to God. This body, this spirit belongs to God. And you need to stand down. Take the word of God. Each time Jesus took the sword of the Spirit, he quoted the Bible to the devil. Now compare that to how you and I typically operate. The devil comes and he offers a juicy temptation. Maybe we're tempted to steal something. Maybe we're tempted to cheat on a test. Maybe the devil tempts us to cover up something we've done wrong. You might say, well, it's not really a lie. It's just a little white lie. You know, it's just a little bitty lie. How much, lying do, how much of a lie do we need to make it a lie? Yeah. 
A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Amen? A little bit. A little bit. Even, you might be saying, well, I'm not telling a lie. I'm just not saying all of the things that, you know, you know, I don't want to say all of it. You know, I don't want to tell everything. And that's how we, uh, we are tempted to tell those little white lies. I remember what I heard as a kid listening to Patch the Pirates. You remember Patch the Pirate? Stretching the truth is a dangerous thing. We start stretching it, stretching the truth. It's a dangerous game. It's sure to bring you lots of grief and shame. You'll never get by with a little white lie, so don't go stretching the truth. Amen? Maybe we're tempted to hate somebody who's hurt us. And and, and the Bible says, Jesus said, if you hate your brother, if you hate your brother, essentially, you're guilty of murder. You're guilty, he says, you're guilty of, of that in your heart. We might be tempted to hate somebody, but how do we respond to Satan? How do we respond to these temptations? If we decide to face, uh, to fight the temptation at all, sometimes we rationalize. We might fight it a little bit. We rationalize. We say, well, I probably shouldn't steal. Uh, What if I were to get caught? And we, we start using this. Yeah, it probably wouldn't be good because then I'd get caught, you know? Or we might say, I probably shouldn't lie. What, what would my friends think if they knew I was a liar? People wouldn't like me if I was a liar. Or say, I probably shouldn't hate. Uh, what would the people at church think if they knew I hated people? What would they think if... Uh, and and, and the, the trap there, the trap there is we're answering Satan's temptations with human reasoning. We're being pragmatic about these things. We're not fighting with the Word of God and the truth. We're fighting temptation with things that are pragmatic. What would people think? What would, what would their opinion of me be if they found out? And that's really, my friend, that's how the world operates. Because they don't have the truth. They don't have a moral code. And if they have anything, their moral code is, uh, is what the opinion of society would be. They don't care what God thinks. And that's not how we should operate. We have something more powerful than human opinion or society's opinion. We have the word of God. We don't need to reason with the devil. We shouldn't reason with the devil. Instead of hitting the devil with the sword of the spirit, all of those little human rational things, uh, oh, you know, what? they're going to have this low opinion of me. That's like fighting Satan with a pillow. You're hitting him with a pillow. And the devil is not affected by that. The devil just has to sit back and fold his arms and laugh at us. He laughs at us. And and he's far smarter than we give him credit for sometimes. Not to glorify the devil in any way because he is the wicked, wicked, uh, evil uh, one from hell. He has been dethroned. And thank God we are not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. The devil has already lost the war. God is uh, victorious. But sometimes... We act like God is not in control because we think he's not in control. We're allowed to go into those valleys. And my friend, when we go 40 days, when we go four days, when we go four hours without food, sometimes we get a little worn down and we start thinking about our, uh, our human needs. And we're not fighting with victory in, in our hearts, knowing that God has already won the war. 
We start, we start giving in to things because, oh, I'm about to die. Kind of like Esau in the Bible. Remember Esau, Jacob and Esau? And Esau sold his birthright for a little bowl of chili. He gave it all up because he was only focused on his physical needs. My friend, Jesus was victorious. It was not easy. It was not easy. But he says you can do it in his strength. But we got to stop responding the wrong way. The devil is cunning and skillful at debate and argument. He will say, go on. You won't get caught. Nobody's going to see you. It's okay because everybody's doing it. That is not a reason to do something. I remember my dad used to say that to my grandpa. Dad, everybody's doing it. And my grandpa would say, this is when my dad was in junior high. My grandpa would say, no, not everybody's doing it. He'd say, what? What do you mean not everybody's doing it? And I'm sorry, that's not how my dad actually sounds. I'm just, you know, I'm just <laughs> embellishing a little bit for sake of, you know, this is Sunday morning, you know. No, not everybody's doing it. Well, what do you mean not everybody's doing it? Who's not doing it? You and your brother aren't doing it, so not everybody's doing it. But sometimes the devil comes along and we, we begin to listen to that. You know, we rationalize. We use that human ration. Oh, well, I'm going to miss out. My friend, nobody that's ever given their life completely to the Lord, they've been saved. They've been saved not only from their sin, but they've followed the Lord through their sanctification. And they've just given everything over to the Lord. Nobody that's ever fully done that has ever missed out on anything. If they miss out on anything, it was missed out on a lot of heartache. Missed out on a lot of scars in their life, a lot of hurt. Give it over to the Lord. You're not going to miss out. I know it's so hard for, for young people to think about that because, because many times all they ever see is what everyone else is doing. It looks so much fun. You know, sin is fun for a season. It's fun for a season, for a short time. And, and so we look at all of the things... Oh, it's so, it's so alluring, and it pulls us in. And, um, man, you know, in this country especially, but probably everywhere in the world now, people are bombarded with advertisement, with all that the world has to offer, and it looks so good. Because they don't show you the other side of the coin, do they? They don't show you Sunday morning... After Saturday night of partying and drinking and all the stuff that the world... You know, they don't show you the hangover. They don't show you all of that. It looks so much fun, but it doesn't last. It doesn't last. It doesn't fulfill, really. It, it, you, you, the Bible even tells us what we already know is that the drunkard, once he is, uh, once he is sober, he will go back and get... He'll seek it once again, the Bible says. He'll go back for more. Because it never satisfied. It didn't fully satisfy. And my friend, we need to understand that there is no satisfaction in the devil's, uh, what he gives to us. As I've heard said before, all of the devil's apples have worms. You ever bitten into a worm? I hope you've never had that experience in your life. But even eating a, a, an apple that has a bruise on it, you know, I'm about ready to eat this, this juicy apple. And it looks so good. 
But the devil's apples all look good. But when you get a bite, it's too late. You've already bitten into the worm. It doesn't satisfy. And so we cannot answer the devil with human reasoning. Ah, it's not okay for us to justify things that God calls sin. It doesn't matter if we get caught or what someone thinks. What has God's word said? What does it tell us? The word of God is as sharp, is a sharp two-edged sword that drives away the devil. Drives away the devil. Exodus 20.15 and Deuteronomy 5.19 is how we should answer the devil when it comes to temptation to steal. Well, you never get caught. Nobody will ever know. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal. This would be a sin against Almighty God. And he is who I serve. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The devil doesn't like to stick around when we start glorifying the Lord. And we start giving thanks to God. And we start truly quoting scripture from a heart of understanding. We know what the Bible says. And we say we're going to stand on the word of God. We're not going to give in. God is my strength. He is my help. Exodus 20.16 is how we should answer the temptation to lie. Deuteronomy 5.20, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Exodus 20.13, Deuteronomy 5.17, uh, uh, you know, when we're tempted to hate somebody, thou shalt not kill. Jesus said, it says like, it's like killing somebody to, to hate them. Thou shalt not murder. A sword in the scabbard is no defense. Just like that belt of truth you know, hanging up in the closet. Oh, that's a nice belt, but it's going to do me no good. Thankfully, I put a belt on, just making sure. I put a belt on this morning. My dad always said, you are half-dressed when you don't have a belt on. You need to put a belt on. And, uh, you know, I never understood that fully, I guess, as a kid. But, you know, that, that's just part of getting up in the morning, getting dressed. So many people do need to put belts on in this world, don't they? Their pants are hanging down, and they need to pull their pants up. But... But, but as far as spiritually, we need to have that belt on. That, that, that truth, the Word of God, the truth is where we take our stand. We stand on the Word of God. But from that footing, we can, uh, we can take on the devil. There, uh, the world we overcome with faith. Lust we, fi- we, we don't fight, we flee from. But the devil we are commanded to fight. To fight the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And we resist not from human rationality, not from debating him, not from making a deal with the devil. No, we fight with the power of God through the sword of the Spirit. I stand upon the word of God and I will not move. Take out the sword of the Spirit and put it to use. Read God's word, study it, memorize it, immerse yourself in it, soak in the scripture, understand what it says, what it means, believe those things. We have to believe it. If you don't believe it, you won't stand on it. Just knowing it doesn't do us any good. One of Satan's favorite tactics is to question the word of God. Did he really say? Did he really mean what he said? Oh, that's what he used against Eve in the garden. He brought it into question. He brought it into question. Yea, hath God said. Did he really mean that? Be careful about uh, just listening to anybody who's preaching the word of God as well. Be careful out there. There's a lot of people on radio and TV and on the internet, especially the internet these days. They've got, they've got God's word for you. 
and they don't even crack open the Word of God, but they know God's Word for you somehow. Uh, the Bible says, John says, try the spirits to see whether they be of God. How do we test? How do we test? We have God's litmus test right here. Does it coincide? Does it agree with Scripture? So get into the Word. Know the Word so that you can stand on the Word. You can't, you can't stand on the Word if you have a, yeah, well, I think that's what the Bible says. I think that's what the Bible, and, 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 and there's times where we wonder about something, and we might even be, t- well, I think that's what the Bible says. Well, that's, that's a good indication for you to get into the Bible and study out what does the Bible say on this matter. Not what my preacher says, not what my church believes. What do I believe? Because the devil wants to get you uh, out and get you alone to a place where you cannot fall back on pastor, fall back on church, fall back on whatever else, your Bible teacher, mentor, Bible college education. He wants to get you to a place where you're all by yourself, and he begins to question God's word. And you need to know for yourself, thus saith the Lord, I'm not going to turn from it. This is what the Bible says. I'm convinced in my soul, I'm convinced in my spirit that this is the right thing, and I'm going to stand on the Word. Father, I pray that you bless your Word today. Help us. Lord, there's maybe somebody here who's not saved. And the devil's trying to do everything that he can to distract them this morning. I pray that today that they would come to you and you alone, Lord, and receive forgiveness of their sins. Salvation in Christ alone. Put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. No more churchanity. No more worshiping uh, man. But that we would come and see. That they would come and see. That the Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior of mankind. Not a church. Not a, not a deed. Not a new life. Where we turn over a new leaf. And we just try harder. Do better. No, but it's really new life in Christ. I pray that you bless this day, all that is sent down. I pray for the Christian that you'd help. Help us in this time of prayer that we would say, Lord, help me in the hour of temptation because we're all tempted. And most of us, if we're honest, as Christians, we have, there's been times where we have fallen short and failed. We've failed of the grace of God. God, you said you'll be there to help us. You'll be, help, be there to help us in the hour of temptation. But I thank you also that you, Lord, are the God of the second chance. And you're there to help us up. You're able to help us up when we fall. And as the Bible says, a just man falls seven times, but he gets back up. He gets up again. And I pray that you'd help us this morning. Lord, those that are knocked down, they'd get back up. Those that are, are, are preparing for what's inevitable, what's coming, what's coming, what's coming, is that we're going to be tempted of the devil, tempted in our flesh, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us right now to say, I'm going to stand on the Bible. I'm going to stand on the Bible. I'm going to fight from that defense. I'm going to take the word. I'm going to even become offensive and go on the offensive and attack the devil and say, no, Satan, you're not coming here. You're not coming here. This is my house. This is my family. This is my church. This is, this is my, this is this ultimate God. This is God's territory. This belongs to him. This is his. It's bought and paid for. You have no business here, devil. I pray that you'd help, help us in that right now to prepare. Say, God, help me. Help me, God. In Jesus' name I pray.